la tira. Fuera sionistas de Palestina. Fuera sionistas de Palestina.
الوضع بده الرضع صار الوضع بده الردع لكل كتير بتحرر مستوطنة بتلمسك ويوصف حكيت ألف كان ألف رقد الهدار الإعلام السلاح مطيب تبركوت أما لما ألمي يا دين برجع الواقع Cantar 
lisonjas fugaces ni las famas extranjeras sino el canto de una lonja hasta el fondo de la tierra مدينه مكسيك بحكي من هون ومظاهره كل شيء نحكي من شارع ريفورما من اكبر واهم الشوارع المكسيكيه شو كمان نحن نحن متظاهرين ومتضامنين مع الشعب الفلسطيني الشعب المكسيكي متضامن ومتظاهر وقلبنا معاكم ونتمنى النصر ونتمنى الحرية للشعب الفلسطيني ونحن معكم ونتعلم منكم ومعكم والله ينصر فلسطين
my name's Kevin Gould, and uh, I guess here I am in my office um, at Concordia University, where I'm an associate professor in the Department of Geography, Planning, and Environment. And uh, okay. sorry, I'm just looking at this recording device, wondering if it's working. It is working. Um, and uh, why am I doing this? I've been doing it so long, it just feels like part of my nature to try to support in some way, to try to participate in solidarity for Palestinian human rights. Um, I don't know. It's a tremendous injustice in our times. People think it's far away. It's not really far away. It's connected to a lot of things that are going on around here. Um, it's also, um, as a Jew, like, I feel like, you know, I have a, I have a right under Israeli law to, like, go over there and become a citizen. And, like, that's, for me, that's, that's wrong when Palestinians can't um, have a right of return and implicates me in a way. Anyway, there's lots of reasons. That's one, a couple of them. And uh, I appreciate you giving me a, a chance to share some thoughts with you, Stefan. So thank you. Uh, right now, what you just described uh, as uh, an academic and also a professor who's really involved with your students and the community, um, your perspective is definitely not the type of Jewish voice we're hearing in a lot of media reports right now. Um, it might s seem simple to a lot of people, you know, within our progressive network, but as we've seen in the last month, uh, that there really is uh, an attempt to speak for Jewish people more generally by... Yeah, so maybe just talk about that and also how that plays out in the academic institution and why like a dissident voice is important. That's that's multiple layers, that question. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why you have Jewish Voice for Peace in the United States and independent Jewish voices here in Canada, that it's so important to have organized and in a way collective voices of Jews who say, you know, not in our name and and this kind of, you know, fascist, colonizing, brutal, you know, apartheid project, that's not what it means to be a Jew. And, and in fact, pushing against it and trying to do something in solidarity is, is <laughs> a way to be a Jew. I mean, I mean, of course, politics isn't what it's, that's not everything. I mean, Judaism is a is full of spiritual life in all kinds of ways, but that is one one way we understand our Judaism is through um, a commitment to social justice, and that sure can um, be related to um, trying to um, support solidarity efforts related to Palestine. But as a university professor, that's not where my Jewish identity like shines out. I'm not like announcing to all my students that I'm a Jew all the time. Um, uh, it's more, you know, I'm, I'm talking to them as a, as a geographer, um, and trying to talk to them about what I know about. Like, I, I think it's also can be very messy to, you know, act like, you know, some kind of politician in the classroom and be just like, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. Like, like, 
I have to come from the my place of experience and knowledge, but um, but there's a lot of ways that um, you know in in geography and critical geography we do talk about colonialism and um, Palestine is part of the part of the conversation sometimes. And anyway, um, so these are some of the ways I guess we try to interrupt dominant um, narratives about you know. Israel is the only democracy or, you know, everything's fine and Palestinians are just causing problems or whatever, or, or that Jewish people are universally in support of, um, of Israel. You know, all these things can be disrupted and one tries from one's position. So we are focused internationally on Palestine right now. There's a huge attention the mechanisms of violence we're seeing aren't happening, you know, in a vacuum. There's a context. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, in in the university context, right, like there's a lot of debates about what should be said about, you know, the colonization of Palestine by the uh, Israeli state project, what should be said about, you know, the ethnic cleansing that has defined so much of Israeli state policy or collective punishment against the people of Gaza, etc. Um, and so I'm just thinking about these things like over time, right? Like there has been some shift in discussion and we're seeing a huge mobilization right now, but there's also a lot of institutions that necessitate speaking about Palestine in a very specific way. And I think, you know, as an academic, you would be able to talk to this point, which is that there are frameworks of discussion and conception and sort of reality that are allowing what's happening right now to happen, right? And if those sort of conceptual frameworks, uh, you know, rooted in structural racism and colonialism, et cetera, aren't challenged, you know, that's, we result, in, we have the result of these extremely odious, violent, genocidal practices, if, if you see what I mean. And I, I think it's maybe important for people to think about that. I mean, I think the primary um, way that what you're talking about operates is not through some kind of prime directive that you must not say it's a genocide or um, you must not talk about it as colonialism, because I don't, I, I mean, that may exist in, in, well, certainly exists in some institutions. Um, I think the difficulty in universities more has to do with silencing. Like, you know, don't really mention much about this. And that doesn't have to be said in a loud voice. It's just felt. I think, you know, there was a recent um, study by Independent Jewish Voices, which documented that so many um, academics are self-censoring or just, you know, uncomfortable talking about Palestine um, in, especially like in early days of their time as faculty members when they're untenured, because you know there can be some kinds of small and larger repercussions that are, um, yeah, that, that, that feel risky to people and um, especially faculties of, faculty of color and Palestinian faculty, right? Um, and what are the implications of that? You know, you, you start out and you're teaching and those kinds of um, 
patterns that you develop about what you talk about and how you frame things have legacy in your ongoing teaching. So if you kind of get in the habit of not talking about Palestine early on, it, it, it's a little bit hard to, to break that. And, and people do, people do, but um, that kind of chilling effect that um, the self-censorship, but also kind of institutional like mandates to not talk much about this or not talk about it in, in certain kinds of ways that are seen as, you know, like not talking about both sides or talking about it as colonialism or genocide, et cetera. Like it's hard to, um, how can I say? It's just, it, it, it's a framing that, that doesn't permit the kind of important conversations that are going to contribute, um, to, uh, to making a change, to making solidarity possible, right? There, there, this silencing is an attack on the conditions um, that we need, actually. Um, the other thing is, I mean, there's a number of other things, but another thing is that, um, like, it's bad for the university. Like, there's a genocide. The university, people in the university mostly not talking about it. That's bad for the university. We, like, I don't know. We need to be able to speak about things. We need to be able to speak about violence. We need for our voices to be in some way um, trusted and meaningful in, in things that relate to social justice. And when, when people refuse to, to speak about something happening that is so heinous and so um, deeply connected to you know, colonial violence, like it, it, it has effects and it's unfortunate. That's for sure. On the other hand, I don't think I don't have a like super romantic view of the university. University can be a pretty conservative place and and often is. That that's I mean, it's not to say that they're not radical voices in universities and I don't think I'm the most radical, that's for sure, but like they're, you know, universities can be pretty can be pretty silencing in all kinds of things and, you know, and that's also why it's important that um the solidarity that happens at universities, the, the kind of framing and, and talk that you're talking about the, that's open conditions for real solidarity with Palestinian struggle, these things are not made like hermetically at the university. They, they connect to all kinds of other institutions, which professors and students and graduate students and staff people like are human beings and we're connected to um, other instances. And that also, I think, is helpful for reminding us of, you know, the importance, but also the lack of importance for some of this, like, silencing stuff that happens at the university. Like, things reach out of the university and things reach into the university, right? And, um, and that's part of making the conditions for change, too. So, The conditions we need, you said that. Um, I think that's pretty profound. Um, I get what you're saying, but I mean, it just, we're talking about a real opening to have an actual real conversation about what's happening, right? And can you expand on this a bit? I mean, this takes a step back a bit from what's happening right now, the incessant bombings, the massive civilian casualties, the, the death of thousands of children um, in what's currently taking place in Gaza, right? Like, I mean, I think 
maybe that needs to be talked about in a in a kind of frame that that can speak about colonialism and apartheid but um one thing that i think can be part of the conditions maybe is in recent years you had these um relatively centrist organizations like amnesty international human rights and human rights watch um say what officially you know document what palestinian um solidarity activists had been saying for more than a decade that um that the israeli government is a you know is an apartheid state and that should be an incredibly important part of the conditions for um making changes right for um for a powerful global Palestinian solidarity that is going to emanate from universities but all kinds but also from all kinds of other institutions but like somehow it hasn't gotten the traction that it needs to or or should and i mean Nora Erekat um in a recent um recording on democracy now she said like in some way we've all failed like it's like here it is you know it is an apartheid state this is a you know a war crime this is a terrible injustice and yet there hasn't been the kind of acting on this that that is necessary and i don't know stefan like um I guess we need to keep being able to say that this is an apartheid state that these are uh colonial processes that are um that are unfolding um that you know that this is a terrible injustice that has to be be fought I I don't, I don't know you know um Certainly a beginning is to be able to talk about these things, you know. I I guess you're right. That's that's part of the framing that has to happen. I mean, some people are also saying, you know, what happens when the ceasefire happens? Like it's going to happen. There's going to be a ceasefire and um, you know, maybe um one of the things that's going to happen is um the boycott divestment sanctions movement is going to get even more powerful and um we're going to see more um divestment and more sanctions and you can see sort of foreshadowing of that with um you know countries in Latin America recalling their ambassadors from um Israel um I don't know all this stuff opens up spaces and I think it's not just like the big conversations you know announcements or speeches it's also kind of small conversations with people um um you know with other professors with students with um you know everyone that 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 wants to talk about this and then finds it that it matters you know as it gets communicated this sort of network grows and it becomes more possible to talk about these things um yeah so tangibly speaking right you and many others in universities around the world are trying to do specific actions to bring forth um voices that speak for justice in Palestine and you know we'll hear on this broadcast from many different examples but you know just briefly can you talk about 
in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, the indigenous land, uh, Geogiage is the name of the city uh, in, in indigenous language. Um, yeah, can you talk a bit about what you're specifically doing uh, right now and, and you know, the ways that you have found to, to take some action in your environment? Okay, I can I can say a, a few words about that. I mean, I feel like the things I'm involved in are all kind of collective things. So it's not like I'm, you know, doing um, X or Y. I mean, I think one of the things that um, various groups are trying to do, including a group called Academics for Palestine Concordia, the university where I work, um, is try to get the union uh, to make some kind of statement um, that we won't tolerate, um, you know, the, the silencing of Palestinian voices, the silencing of Palestinian solidarity, um, the, yeah, you know, it's in some way it's an academic freedom argument, but it's also an anti-racism argument. And, um, during times like these, um, during times like these, when there's, you know, in, intense where the sort of apartheid regime has really intensified the the violence like the silencing here becomes more intense and so statements like this are necessary um and you know where are those statements going to come from like maybe it'll come from faculty union um if we can make that happen um it might as well come from um various student unions and student organizations um, what else? Um, I mean, you, you know about the, there was an, um, an incident where the dean of students, you know, saw someone waving a Palestinian flag. Um, uh, it was very recently, you know, maybe this person was feeling stressed by the situation and made, you know, a, like gave that person the finger. And uh, it turned out the person waving the flag was a Concordia student. And uh, they'd actually worked together on an anti-Islamophobia project, you know, in, in the past. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, this, you know, we, there's a petition now to um, draw attention to, to what happened. Um, I think um, one of the most important things about the petition is it, well, it draws attention to the fact that this incident, like it's an incident, but the incident is kind of emblematic of some of the things that, have, that are going on now in, in Canada where um, Palestinians are treated with you know, suspicion and hostility. Um, and we, we also, in connection to this, the university denied that, um, that it had happened, denied that you know, the, this person had given the student the finger. And there's a, a recording of the dean apologizing for this. So it's like pretty clear that this, this happened. Um, and the kind of silencing or erasure, the negation of that event by a powerful institution, that's also emblematic of the th kind of things that are going on, the, the diminishing of something important. That, that happened and needs to be, um, uh, there, there's an apology that's needed. There's some kind of reflection and, and change that needs to happen on the institution's part. And, and like, 
um, to just deny it is is really a problem. And so the petition allows people to, um, um, you know, to to put a little bit of pressure um, to try to get uh, Concordia to respond to that. Um, no, there's going to be ongoing things. I mean, like I said before, the um, boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, and um, specifically focusing on um, companies that are um, uh, helping to arm um, the Israeli state, like, could be targets um, for that. Um, continuing uh, the work on Israel Apartheid Week on campus, um, inviting speakers and films and these kinds of things. So just last question, um, can you talk about why raising our voices right now is important? Because I think people are overwhelmed by the news and overwhelmed by the massacres that are being broadcast across the world. Um, Just very briefly. um, I think we need to raise our voices just so that we can hear each other and hear how powerful we are and hear how many people um, demand the the ceasefire and demand an end to this um, colonial violence. I think it's also, it connects to something that um, a person from Tadaman um, said at the rally that, you know, all of us together, all around the world, um, are laying siege to the siege, are, you know, putting all of our, like, trying to put our energy, trying to put our work um, in all different kinds of forms at solidarity for Palestinian people to put pressure on um, an extremely um, unjust regime at a moment of, like you said, terrible massacres, horrific um, massacres that are, you know, shattering people's lives, families' lives, you know, communities, neighborhoods, right? And to to recognize that all these people around the world, each putting their little grain and, and pushing forward, is putting pressure um, to um, disrupt this order of things, right? To put a siege on the siege. I thought it's a very powerful formulation. Um, That's why it's important. Things are gonna change.